All right, so I'm currently on the phone with John. He's another musician that reached out about the interview series. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the opportunity to introduce himself. Hello, I'm John Raven. Uh, I'm an international recording artist, and uh, I'm really, really pleased to be on the show. I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Uh, so with these interviews, I always like to uh, get a little personal and find out, you know, how did you first connect with music? Uh, when did you first find it? And what about it was important to you? Well, it was kind of the family business. Um, I, I started when I was five. Um, and my family had a gospel band. Uh, funny enough, it did very different from what I do now. <laughs> um, but uh, before I was 11, I had been in the studio and we did four albums for a subsidiary of RCA. So that was kind of how it all started. Okay, awesome. And so uh, being in that sort of environment, growing up around music and everything, what, were you pushed at an early age to learn an instrument or did your participation in it come much more naturally? A little bit of both. Funny enough, like I, I was pushed to study piano. Uh, which I'm glad I did because, I mean, it's really a uh, good foundation. Mm -hmm. um, but then as I, as I, you know, started, it sounds funny as I started getting older, I, I think when I was about seven, eight, uh, somewhere in there, um, I, I kind of started bargaining and it was like, okay, I'll, I'll practice an extra 30 minutes a day on the piano if I can get a set of drums. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and then I got the drums and, and I love that because I got to drive everybody crazy with the drums and then kind of the guitars came after that. So I, it was it was kind of aggression, but but the piano was the only thing I was ever really made to play. I, I just I I, I, I I always I'm one of those people like I hate I hate keyboards of any type. So like typing the fact that everything's not A, B, C, D, E, F, G in a row. Mm. So like the, the keyboard, it was great because it, that was like that. And then the different hand movements. But I, it's, I, I, it's, I found the drums and guitar much more natural for me. Awesome. So it seems like you kind of on your own chose to go from instrument to instrument. Um, do you think that there was, uh, you know, some sort of motivation behind that? Or were you intentionally like trying to soak up as much uh, music, musical information as you could? I, I was I've always been infinitely curious. I mean, I, I would say in I, I, a lot of a lot of people now probably some of the younger ones wouldn't even know what i'm talking about but they the, we used to have the old world book encyclopedia sets um and i i would literally sit and read them you know cover to cover so whether it was to do with music or art or history or anything i was infinitely curious but then as i got older um i kind of refined my playing more out of necessity there were there were times we'd be in the studio uh, and, you know, maybe the bass player or the guitar player or somebody was, you know, they weren't there that day. We, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. um, and overdubs needed to be done. And so I just kind of ended up refining really through the process of overdubs, refining those skills. Okay. And by overdubs, do you mean specifically re-recording a part or do you mean like layering it? Uh, no, specifically re-recording. So say if somebody had came into the studio and there was just something that we didn't, we used to record all night uh, mm -hmm. most of the time. And so, you know, sometimes I'd, I'd go back in the next day and we would, we had a process whereby we would record, do a rough mix and then overdub and then do another mix and, and kind of go from there. So there, there would be things sometimes that would just be missed. And if the person that, that had played those parts wasn't in the studio, then I would, I ended up covering them quite a bit. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So going back a little bit, um, you know, you soaked up all the information. You went from piano, drums to guitar, which is not all too different from my musical journey now that I think about it. Um, cool. Were you uh, participating in like um, the the school uh, curriculum for band or were you doing it all outside of school? I got to for a couple of years, but I mean, we literally, I mean, like I said, from the time I was five, I, I had tutors. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. we stayed, I was, I was doing four or five shows a week when I was, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. So, mm-hmm. um, but then I actually had a couple of years we we're like in junior high and things. Uh, and I, and I, first thing that I grabbed was the tritom. So that was what I did in marching band. Okay, sure. Um, so you did marching band and then I assume in addition to, uh, you know, whatever you're doing inside of the curriculum or drum line or anything, uh, you were also working on your own musical project outside of all that. Um, there was actually a period that during that same time, funny enough, um, I, I ended up, I, I had studied martial arts from a very young age as well. Um, and there was an old TV show called Peyton Place. Um, and ABC was doing a movie called Peyton Place, The Next Generation. Um, and so I had a modeling agent where I'd done some print modeling and things. And then I did a fight scene uh, in this ABC movie of the week that they had called Peyton mm-hmm. Place, The Next Generation. And it was like Hoy- Hoyt Axon was kind of the main guy in it um, from Gremlins. Okay. Um, but then uh, um, so I had two or three years where I really got into to the acting thing really heavy and the music kind of dropped off until I bumped into this guy named David Lee Roth, you know, and then the rock and roll thing kind of started. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. So let's talk about that. Uh, coming out of, you know, all of those years uh, when uh, playing music started to pick back up for you. Um, what was your process and, you know, kind of vision to getting back into music? What did you want out of it? Um, I, am going to be really honest a- after years of playing in churches. And then in the seventies, they used to have these big gospel scenes and, uh, all of that stuff and, uh, go- going backstage at a Van Halen concert, uh, which was through a family friend, funny enough. <laughs> um, and I saw all the chicks backstage. Mm. You know, and I was like, oh, OK, so it's not just, you know, crazy Baptist woman like that won't let a kid go. There's OK. <laughs> so I honestly, I got back into it because of the girls. All right. So, so you know, that was, um, <laughs> you know, kind of one thing, one thing led to another. And I was I, I had fun with it. And I'm 54 now and I haven't uh, ne- never done anything outside of entertainment and have done music pretty much straight through aside from those three years. Excellent. So uh, going down that line, you know, what were uh, some of the bands that you worked on, some of the music you put out? Oh, God, I I, I think my favorite, I would have to I I was working on a project called Rock God, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a video game project. And we had people on that like Eric Singer from Kiss. We had Mark Slaughter, um, guys from uh, like Seppenwolf. the guess who, I mean, on and on. Um, and during the course of all that, and he, he passed away not too long ago, I, I met Bob Kulik. Um, mm-hmm. And Bob and I co-produced a couple of things together. And Bob, Bob was just a trip. He was fun to work with. Bob, Bob had got a Grammy for his work with uh, Motor, Motorhead on Ace of Spades. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and just total character. He had played guitar for Meatloaf, played with Paul Stanley solo band, and uh, was was just a really excellent musician. But I mean, one of the most focused, kind of driven guys that that you could be in the studio with. So I mean, uh, I, I'd, I'd have to say out of out of everybody, and I mean, I worked with Dokken. I worked you know, pretty pretty much any of your classic '80s hard rocks band bands uh, from from that period. Uh, I've collaborated or known them or hung out backstage or, you know, done some shows, uh, whatever. But I, I, I think really Bob was was kind of a, a pinnacle moment, kind of, you know, sitting in the studio in the valley there and looking looking around at some of the trophies. And, uh, you know, and I, I remember we had a kid that we were working with and he, he decided he was going to run into the other. We we're talking about drums. Mm-hmm. So he, he sees a set of drums, uh, you know, in the in the tracking room and he runs in there and jumps on him and Bob, Bob's about having a meltdown and he goes, dude, if Jason Bonham walks in here, he's going to kill you. <laughs> you know, <And> so, <laughs> sure. Um, you know, but yeah, Bob, Bob was fun, man. So were you doing mostly like session and for hire work or? Um, I, in those, during that period, I was doing a lot of producing. Um, I did, I, I was head of A&R for like three different independent record labels. Okay. Um, two, two of them were rock and roll. One of them uh, was more uh, kind of your Delta blues, uh, that type stuff. They, I, I think the the biggest thing that uh, they had, uh, like Fats Domino's Christmas catalog, was was one of the things that that that, uh, that label carried. That was one of the the bigger items, money making items. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a guy named Van Brassard, um, but uh. Um, so I was, I, I, I went through a period where I kind of, you know, I was still in music, but I was doing much more behind the scenes than I was like out on the stage. Okay. And, uh, how long were you doing that type of work before you were just like, ah, I got to get back on the stage. I gotta, I gotta make music here. Um, about, about a decade, okay. give or take about 10 years. And then once you did kind of, you know, make that decision that that was going to be your next step, uh, did you form your own band or did you join somebody else's band? No, I formed my own. Uh, and then what was what was kind of interesting was when I came back in um, to by, by that point, the whole streaming thing uh, had really taken over and the, the nature of the business. I mean, I, I grew up during a time when you could actually sell records, you know, mm-hmm. that, that was what you did. Um, and without, without the internet, honestly, we, we sold a lot of records, you know? Um, so it was, it was kind of a bit of a, uh, a learning curve trying to, to figure out, uh, you know, how to, how to keep the same kind of income coming mm-hmm. in from doing music. And so, uh, had, I had collaborated some with a guy named Hab Haddad, who Hab was, uh, the vice president of new media for McGee entertainment. Um, and so I, I learned a lot about, uh, new media and that that's where a lot of my focus is. Like I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not too worried about how many streams I get on Spotify because they just don't pay enough. So with what I'm typically doing, it's like the film that I'm directing right now is I'm basically using all of the different creative things that I enjoy, but it's, it's, you know, working with my partner, Jason, who's like a brother to me. It's, uh, it's one of those deals where it's like, okay, what's the most productive and, uh, really 
uh, profitable way to deliver music these days. Um, and sync licensing through film or doing your own thing with the Netflix, you know, type of special or whatever. You, you, you just can't, you can't even compare the difference in the amount of money you get per stream for the same amount of time for your music. Yeah, the the music industry landscape for distribution right now is really shaky. It's yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Try to be polite. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I, I'm I'm being I'm being real polite because we we could probably do five shows on what's running through my head right now. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that seems to be kind of the uh, general consensus about through the people that I interview is that the whole distrib- digital distribution side of it is just it's so hard for you know, independent musicians to actually, you know, feel like they're living off of making music because streaming just isn't paying. Well, it, it, there's that. And it's also, I mean, like when, when I started out in this business, you know, I, I think the number was there, there were about 7 million albums a year total, like mm-hmm. every kind of release you can think of singles, albums, LPs, whatever. Um, and that, that was considered a pretty big number kind of at the pinnacle, but that, that was it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you got more than 7 million people a month popping stuff on all of these streaming services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And it's available to everybody. Yeah. And it's, well, and it's a different audience now too, because back when there was, there was a longer attention span with Mm -hmm. artists, I think, um, so you you didn't have, and I'm I'm going to be blunt. You know, sometimes there's a lot of mud in the water, and it's hard for people to sort through and even find what they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you you have an audience with a shorter attention span. You know, I, I've I've noticed looking at demographics. You know, song lengths have kind of gotten shorter and shorter. I I don't think we're going to get any more Bohemian Rhapsodies. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wish we I wish we were, um, um, but I, I don't think we will. Um, um, so it, it's changed. Right, right. So uh, setting that on the table for a moment, um, let's talk about uh, your current projects. So you did mention that you're currently directing a film. Are you involved uh, also in recording any music or putting any music out? Oh, yeah. We're, we just released. Uh, we, we actually formed a band. The, the name of the, the film is The Passion of the Gods. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually a really wild merger between Egyptian mythology and Arthurian legend. Oh, cool. Um, so, um, and what was funny is some of the, the visuals that we have for that they're, they're, they're dark. It's an animated film, um, which is fun because, you know, if you can imagine it, you can pretty much create it in animation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we we had we had some people when we first put up the Facebook page. We we have the, the character Lilith, and she she looks kind of like a red devil, you know, woman. And we had some people just going nuts, going, "This is satanic. It's evil. You know, you guys are children of evil." Blah 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 blah. So we actually started a band called Evil's Child to do the music for the movies. So, nice, nice. Um, so it was kind of an inside joke with us. It was like, well, you know, if the shoe fits, so. <laughs> Um, but yeah, my, my partner, Jason Goodby, he'll, he does a lot, like he's demoing constantly. Uh, and then 
he shoots the tracks over to me and then I'll, I'll start kind of dissecting them and then we go back and forth. I mean, what's cool, we've been able, the, the one cool thing about technology and the internet is we've been able to do everything remotely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it's it's definitely a lot cheaper than $2,000 a day studio lockouts. You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you guys are uh, currently writing or have you released already? We've released the title track already. Um, and it's, it's literally called the passion of the gods, you know, title track by evil's child. Um, and then we're, we're working on, uh, there's so many, you know, uh, sides when you're scoring a film, which for people that aren't familiar with that term, it's like a side's 40, 45 seconds or less. And you might have two or three sides, you know, playing for a scene, or you, you might have a portion of a song or, um, so we've been writing nonstop for months and we're, we're now, you know, starting to, to get into actually tracking these things. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so what are some of your favorite movie or uh, memories in the time that you've uh, been with music? Uh, since you have such a long career with it, I imagine you've got a lot of stuff that kind of just stands out to you. Yeah, it's hard to, to say a favorite. I mean, like when I was a kid, I remember a uh, lot, a lot of the gospel bands that we toured with ended up going on to being like country stars. Um, so I, I can remember, you know, like the Dixie Melody Boys and Oak Ridge Boys and some of the older country acts, and I was like this little kid running around because everybody would have their buses, you know, like a lot of, a lot of they had these big outdoor. See, so I'd, I'd be running around beating on everybody's bus doors, you know, and I was, <laughs> I was every everybody knew me. I was, I was, in, you know, this little kid, so. You know, I'd go on one bus and they have fried chicken, you know, which and then I was I was a funny kid because I'd pull this. I'd, I'd literally I'd go, I'd go grab a bucket of chicken and I'd pull the skin off of about 10 pieces of it and piss everybody off and just eat the skin, <laughs> you know. Um, and then as I got older, I, I remember um, just just got to hang, uh, got, got to meet Glenn Campbell and was hanging out with him. And it, it was at the time when the Mandrell sisters had their TV show and I had the worst crush on Arlene. Mm uh mandrell and i ended up getting the she was Erlene was opening for glenn campbell and i remember she, she <laughs> we hung out and had a great time and she signed this poster for me and she had on a swimsuit and then my mother being very religious got so upset she like ripped up the poster you know when i showed it to her. funny uh, you know thought, thought it was the most vulgar you know thing ever um and then just you know and a lot of it was you know hanging out like um long called winter tour i was doing some things behind the scenes with the bullet boys mm-hmm. um and uh you know it, was, it about crushed me when uh jeff labar just passed away but i had some some great memories just hanging out with with him and those guys and i mean i, I could go on and on there's just so many you know i i found most 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 musicians are are pretty good people you, you got those exceptions where the egos are little inflated mm-hmm. uh, at times but but for the most part i mean I, I just had some great hangs and you know i remember times when people would be warming up before going on stage like fred Corey from cinderella was always trying to learn guitar uh and it's a great drummer so you know i would i would show you know fred some things and then he would turn around and show me some stuff on drums or um so it was, it was just kind of always that it, uh camaraderie i guess mm-hmm. that was my favorite part awesome um so where can people uh check out the stuff that you put out you said you put out a title track uh what are some links to your social media um okay the the best place to find most of this would be on our facebook page for the film 
um, which, and I'm going to double check because if I remember, we ran out of letters. So I'm just going to look real quick. Yeah, I, I, we couldn't get the in there. So it's facebook.com, Passion of the Gods. Uh, that's one of them. Okay. Uh, we have a website, thepassionofthegods.com. Uh, my website is johnraven.rocks. Um, and then we also have a store with a lot of cool merch, uh, which is passionfantasyart.shop. Um, and then all of those have links to all that. I mean, we're, we're on everything. We're on TikTok, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, but those, uh, the, the main websites have links to absolutely everything. And there's okay. a lot of links on our Facebook page to the other stuff. So um that, that, that's kind of the reader's digest version <laughs> okay and we'll i'll make sure to get all those links in the video description and everything as well um very cool uh so i always like to give the person i'm interviewing the opportunity to put out their last word so just a message that you feel resonates with you that you want to put out there um you know i mean g- given i i think what we were talking about the the way the business has changed i mean i i, I speak to musicians all the time and they're like you know, we practice and we practice, but we, we can't do it. And it, when I ask them and I'm like, okay, so how many hours do you spend a week, you know, rehearsing? Oh, dude, we rehearse three, four hours a night. I'm like, okay, how many hours a day do you spend learning about the business? How many hours a day do you spend learning about licensing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and usually I get this deer in the headlights look. Um, so I would, I would just say to guys that are really serious and want to have a shot at doing something in this business, spend as much time learning about the business as you do learning about the music, because show business has two words in it and business is the biggest word. 